Chapter Twelve of the Poor Little Rich Girl. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Susan Umpleby. The Poor Little Rich Girl by Eleanor Gates. Chapter Twelve. It occurred to Gwendolen that it would be a very good idea to stop turning stones. The first one set bottom side up had resulted in the arrival of Jane. And whereas the policeman had appeared when the second was dislodged, here, following the accidental stub of a toe, were these two, the Piper and Thomas. The man who makes faces hurried across to her, his expression dubious. "'Bitter pill!' he exclaimed with a sidewise jerk of the ragged hat. Gall and wormwood! Oh, yes! For, sure enough, there was an ill-flavored taste on her lips, a taste that made her regret having lost the candy. Next the policeman came tick-tocking up. The scheme was to kidnap you, he declared wrathfully. And keep me from finding my father and mother, added Gwendolen. Now she understood why Jane was so pleased with the choice of the automobile road, and she realized that all along there was never any danger of her being kidnapped by strangers, but by the two who, their past ill-feeling evidently forgotten, were at this very moment chuckling and chattering together, ugly heads touching, the eerie head and the head with the double face. Seeing the policeman and the little old gentleman in conversation with Gwendolen, the piper slouched over. "'Look a-here,' he began roughly, addressing all three. "'You're going to make a great big mistake if you antagonize a man that belongs to a labor union.' Just so had he spoken the day he fixed the broken hot water pipe. "'Bosh!' cried the policeman. "'What do we care about him?' Why, he'll never even get through the gate. Gwendolen was puzzled. What gate? And why would Thomas not get through it? Then, looking round to where he was conspiring with Jane, she saw what she believed was a very good explanation. He would never get through the gate because, a simple reason, the nurse would not be able to get through. For by now, Jane was not only as round as a barrel, but she was fully as large, what with so much happy giggling over Thomas's arrival. Moreover, having toppled sidewise, she looked like a barrel, a barrel upholstered in black sateen, with a neat touch of white at collar and cuffs. "'He's been in trouble before,' continued the policeman stormily. "'But this time!' and letting himself down flat upon his head, he shook both neatly shod feet in the piper's face. It was now that Gwendolen chanced, for the first time, to examine the latter's bundle, and was surprised to discover that it was nothing less than a large poke-bonnet, of the fluffy, lacy, ribbony sort, and she was admiring it, for it was of black silk and handsome, when something within it stirred. She retreated, until the nightstick and the kidnapper knife were between her and the poke. "'Hadn't we better be st starting?' she faltered nervously. 
The piper marked her manner, and showed instant resentment of it. "'This here thing was handed me once in part payment,' he explained, "'and I ain't been able to get rid of it since. Every single day it's harder to lug around. Because, you see, he's growing." At that the policeman and the man who makes faces exchanged a glance full of significance, and both shrugged, the policeman with such an emphatic upside-down shrug that his shoulders brushed the ground. Gwendolen's curiosity emboldened her. "'He?' she questioned. "'The pig!' "'The pig!' Gwendolen's pink mouth opened in amazement. Here was the very pig that she heard belonged in a poke. The piper was glowering at Jane, who was rocking gently from side to side, displaying first one face, then the other. "'Well, I call that dancing,' he declared, and pulling out a small, well-thumbed account-book, jotted down some figures. Gwendolen tried to think of something to say. While feeling mistrust toward the piper, and abhorrence toward the poke and its contents. At last she took refuge in polite inquiry. "'When did you come out from town?' she asked. The piper grunted rather ill-humouredly. Or was it the pig? She could not be certain. And coloured up a little. "'I didn't come out,' he answered in his surly fashion whereupon he fell to fitting a coupling upon the ends of two pipes. "'No?' inquisitively. "'I er, got run out.' "'Oh!' Again the policeman and the man who makes faces exchanged a significant glance. "'You see,' went on the piper, "'in the city everybody's in debt. "'Well, I have to have my money, don't I? "'So I dunned em all good.' but maybe, er, a speck too much, so... Oh, dear, breathed Gwendolen. Of course, I've never been what you might call popular. Who would be, if everybody owed him money? Huh, snorted the policeman. You overcharge, asserted the little old gentleman. Gwendolen hastened to forestall any heated reply from the piper. "'You don't think your pig had anything to do with it?' she suggested considerately. "'Cause do—do nice people like pigs?' "'The pig was never in sight,' asserted the piper. "'Guess that's one reason why I can't sell him. "'What people don't see, they don't want to buy, even when it's covered up stylish.' Here he regarded the poke with an expression of entire satisfaction. The little company was well on its way by now, though Gwendolen could not recall the moment of starting. The piper had not waited to be invited, but strolled along with the others, his birch-stemmed tobacco-pipe in a corner of his mouth, his hands in his pockets, and the pig-poke a-swing at his elbow. Thomas, left to get Jane along as best he could, had managed most ingeniously. The nurse was cylindrical. All he had to do, therefore, was to give her momentum over the smooth windings of the road by an occasional smart shove with both hands. Which made it clear that the likelihood of losing Jane, of leaving her behind, was lessening with each moment. 
for now the more the nurse laughed the easier it would be to get her along oh dear sighed gwendolen with a sad shake of her yellow head as jane came trundling up both fat arms folded to keep them out of the way if she stopped dancing where would i come in demanded the piper resentfully the pig moved in the poke he trounced the poor thing irritably the man who makes faces now began to speak in a curious chanting fashion the mode of locomotion adapted by this woman said he rather adds to than detracts from her value as a nurse think what facilities she has for amusing a child on say an extensive slope of lawn and her ability to see two ways practically at once gives her further value would she ever let a young charge fall over a cliff the barrel was whopping over and over noiselessly except for the faint chatter of jane's tortoiseshell teeth behind it was thomas limp-eared by now and perspiring but faithful to his task the best thing whispered gwendolen reaching to touch a ragged sleeve would be to get rid of thomas then she the policeman heard get rid of thomas he repeated easy enough look on the ground she looked see the h's sure enough the road was fairly strewn with the sixth consonant both in small letters and capitals been dropped went on the officer she had heard the expression dropping his h's now she understood it oh but how will these help show em to thomas she approached the barrel and pointed down thomas followed her pointing instantly his expression became furious and one by one his ears stood up alertly it's him he shouted oh wait till i get my hands on him then heaving hard at the barrel he raced off along the alphabetical trail gwendolen was compelled to run to keep up with him what's the trouble she asked the man who makes faces a dictionarial difference he answered his dark-skinned face very grave oh she resolved to hunt dictionarial up the moment she was back in the schoolroom thomas was shouting once more from where he labored in the lead i'll murder him he threatened this time i'll murder him murder that made matters clear there was only one person against whom thomas bore such hot ill will it's the king's english she panted it's the king's english agreed the policeman tick-tocking in rapid tempo she reached again to tug gently at a ragged sleeve do you know him she asked the round black eyes of the little old gentleman shone proudly down at her all nice people are well acquainted with the king's english he declared which statement she had often heard in the nursery now however it embarrassed her for she was compelled to admit to herself 
that she was not acquainted with the king's English, and he a personage of such consequence. The piper hurried alongside, all his pipes rattling. "'Just where are we going, anyhow?' he asked petulantly. "'We're going to the bear's den,' informed the man who makes faces. "'And here's the zoo now,' announced the policeman. It was unmistakably the zoo. Gwendolen recognized the main entrance. For above it, in monster letters formed by electric lights, was a sign, bulbous and blinding. Villa, sights, borax, starch, shirts. So this is the gate you meant, she called to the policeman. The gate was flung invitingly wide. Thomas rushed toward it, his fourteen ears flopping horribly. "'And here he is!' cried the policeman, on guard. The next moment, "'Alt!' ordered a harsh voice, a voice with an English accent. There was a flash of scarlet before Gwendolen's face, of scarlet so vivid that it blinded. She flung up a hand, but she was not frightened. She knew what it was and rubbed at her eyes hastily to clear them. He stood in full view. As far as outward appearance was concerned, he was exactly the looking person she had pictured in her own mind, young and tall and lusty, with a florid countenance and hair as blonde as her own, and he wore the uniform of an English soldier, short coat of scarlet, all gold braid and brass buttons, dark trousers with stripes, and a little round cap with a chin-strap. But he carried no cane. Instead, as he stepped forward, nose up, chin up, eyes very bold, he swung a most amazing weapon. It was as scarlet as his own coat, as long as he was tall, and polished to a high degree. But it was not unbending like a sword. It was limber to whippiness so that as he twirled it about his blond head it snapped and whistled, and Gwendolen remembered having seen others exactly like it hanging on the billboard at the face-shop, for it was a tongue. "'Ah, oh, my word!' exclaimed the King's English, surveying the halted group. Gwendolen could not imagine what word he had in mind, but she thought him very fine. With his air of proud self-assurance, and his fine, brilliant uniform, he was strikingly like her own red-coated toy. Anxious to make a favorable impression upon him, she smoothed the gingham dress hastily, brushed back straying wisps of yellow, straightened her shoulders, and assumed a cordial expression of countenance. "'How do you do?' she said, curtsying. He saluted, but blocked the way. "'May we go into the zoo, please?' His hand jerked down to his side. "'One at a time,' he answered. "'All but Thomas.' Thomas had come short with the others. Now, as Gwendolen looked at him, she saw that he also was armed with a tongue, a warped and twisted affair, rough but thin along its edges. "'If you try to keep me out,' he cried, "'I certainly will murder you.' At this juncture the policeman pit-patted forward and took his station at the left of the gate. 
Next, the King's English stepped back until he stood at the right. Between them, hand in hand once more, passed Gwendolen and the man who makes faces. The piper came next. "'Call that a English tongue?' he asked with an impudent grin at the soldier's shining weapon. "'Yes, sir.' "'Pah!' Now Thomas gave Jane a quick shove forward, but a shove which sent her only as far as the gate. The King's English stared down at her. "'How are you?' he answered coldly. "'I'm awful uncomfortable,' was the mournful answer. "'Then take off your stays,' he advised. Whereat the polished tongue glanced through the light, caught Jane fairly around the waist, and with a swift recoil brought her to her feet. And now Gwendolen, astonished, saw that too much laughter had again remolded that sateen bulk. The nurse had grown woefully heavy about the shoulders, which put a fearful strain on the stitches of her bodice, and gave her the appearance of a gigantic humming top. As she swayed a moment on her wide-toed shoes, shoes now utterly lacking buttons, the King's English again struck out, caught her this time around the neck, and sent her spinning through the gate. Zing! She laughed dizzily, that laugh the high, persistent note of a top. Thomas attempted to follow. I just will come in, he cried, wielding his warped weapon with a flourish. "'You shall not!' To bar the way, the King's English thrust out his polished tongue. "'I will! Crack! Crack! You won't! Crack! Crack!' The fight was on, for the combatants, tongues length from each other, were prowling to and fro menacingly. "'Oh, there's going to be a tongue-lashing!' cried Gwendolen, frightened. "'I'm the King's English!' It was the soldier's slogan. "'This is me,' sang Thomas, saucily flicking at a brass button. His face was all cunning. Then how the tongues popped! "'This is I,' corrected the King's English promptly, but his face got a trifle more florid. "'Steady,' counseled the little old gentleman. "'I'm all right,' the other cried back. "'Oh, Piper,' said Gwendolen, "'which side are you on?' The piper shifted his tobacco pipe from one corner of his mouth to the other. "'I'm for the man that's got the cash,' he declared. There was no doubt about Jane's choice. Seeing Thomas's momentary advantage, she came spinning close to the gate. "'Use H-words, Thomas,' she hummed. "'Use H-words!' Thomas acted upon her advice. "'Hack and hit and hammer!' he charged. "'Haggle and have and hamper! "'Halt and hang and harass! "'Ack and it and ammer!' struck back the King's English, beginning to breathe hard. "'Aggle and ave and amper! "'Alt and ang and harass!' As the tongues met, Gwendolen saw small bright splinters fly this way and that, a shower of them. These splinters darted downward, falling upon the road, and each, as it lit, was an H. The policeman was frightened. "'Which is your best foot?' 
he called. The king's English indicated his right. This! Then put it forward! My goodness! exclaimed Gwendolen. Am I seeing this, or is it just pretend? Thomas now warmed to the fray. Harm! he scourged. Harness! Hash! Hugh! Hoodwink! Hurt! And Herk! Evans! breathed the king's English. Turn your cold shoulder, advised the little old gentleman. The king's English thrust out the right, and it helped. Oh, haches don't matter, he panted. I'm all right, as long as his grammar doesn't get too bad. And off came one of Thomas's ears, a large one, and blew along the ground like a great leaf. That was an unfortunate boast. For Thomas, enraged by the loss of an ear, fought with renewed zeal. "'If you see he, just tell I!' he shouted. The king's English went pallid. "'If you see him, just tell me!' he gasped, meeting Thomas gallantly, with the loss of only one splinter. "'Oh, I want you to win!' called Gwendolen to him. But the contest was unequal. That was now plain. The king's English had polish and finish. Thomas had more. His tongue, newly sharpened, cut deep at each blow. Unequal as was the contest, Jane's interference a second time made it more so, for as the fighters trampled to and fro, seeking the better of each other, she twirled near again. "'Try your verbs, Thomas,' she counseled. "'Try your verbs.' Eagerly Thomas grasped this second hint. "'By which I could was,' he cried, with a curling stroke of the warped tongue. "'Or shall am.' At that the king's English showed distressing weakness. He seemed scarcely to have enough strength for another snap. "'Boy, which I could be!' he whipped back feebly, or shall I have been, and staggered sidewise. Now the warped and twisted tongue began to chant past participially, I done, I done, I done. Help, implored the king's English, fairly wan. Friends, this, this fellow has treated me outrageously for, for yours. Oh, worser and worser and worser, pursued Thomas, changing suddenly to adverbs. Rawly now, the king's English tottered to his knees. I did, prompted Gwendolen, eager to help him. I did, repeated the king's English, but the polished tongue slipped from his grasp. I seen, followed up Thomas. I sung. Crack, crack. It was the last fatal onslaught. The scarlet-coated figure fell forward, yet bravely he strove again to give tongue-lash for tongue-lash by reaching out one palsied hand toward his weapon. "'Oi, oi, saw!' he muttered. "'Oi, sing!' and expired, with his last breath gasping good grammar. Instantly Thomas leaped the prostrate figure and strode to the gate. 
He was breathing hard, but looking about him boldly. "'Now I come through,' he boasted. "'Oh!' it was Gwendolen's cry. "'Officer, don't let him! Don't!' In answer to her appeal, the policeman seized Thomas by a lower ear and shoved him against a gatepost. "'You've committed murder!' he cried. "'And I arrest you!' "'Tongue-tie him!' shouted the little old gentleman, springing to jerk Thomas's weapon out of his hand, and to snatch up the nicked and splintered weapon of the vanquished soldier. Under the great blazing sign of the zoo entrance the capture was accomplished, and in a moment, from his feet to his very ears, Thomas was wrapped, arms tight against sides, in the scarlet toils of the tongues. "'So!' exclaimed the little old gentleman, as he tied a last knot. "'Thomas'll never bother my little girl again!' And taking Gwendolen by the hand, he led her away. It was not until she had gone some distance that she turned to take a last look back, and saw, there beside the wide gate, a rubber plant, its long leaves waving gently. It was Thomas, bound securely and abandoned. Yet she did not pity him. He had murdered the king's English, and he deserved his punishment. Furthermore, he looked so green, so cool, so ornamental. End of chapter 12